Welcome to Is It Wet, the podcast where we're increasingly not on board with Bill Murray's shit. I'm Sophie. I'm Caitlin. Is It Wet is a moving comedy podcast where we discuss the drippiest, the shiniest, the gloopiest, the um, most sort of effusent uh, cauldron of miasmas and sounds and tastes and sights and and just just from that bubbling cauldron we that we've delved our hand into we pluck out really a bizor of just mm, pure what wetness and comedy <laughs> and friendship that is what we find at the heart the heart of wetness oh my god um, nice that was the that's my favorite description so far <laughs> holy shit you found a bizor by the end of it oh we found a bizor at the end of it baby oh god, um, i love it yeah, today we are doing the 2004 comedy drama Wes Anderson film, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Folks said we'd never do a Wes Anderson movie. I didn't think we'd do a Wes Anderson movie. Um, you know, and- this far in, this far into season two, baby, I think I, and nothing surprises me anymore. I, I no- think he's our, our white whale. You know, mm, um, good he's our jaguar shark. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's, he seems it's just aesthetically, his whole thing, just to, just in the popular imagination and my own, own, own sort of conception of Wes Anderson, I see him as like, just, just the, the pinnacle of dryness. And I was like, let's test our hubris mm-hmm. and see if we can find some wetness in his filmography. And actually, this came about because I had seen, uh, I saw The French Dispatch last month, last night, which wasn't necessarily my wet moment of the week, but it was, it's probably his wettest film. There's wow. some wet moments. It's it takes place in a very wet made up place in France. There's just sweaty characters. There's grimy characters. There's little Timmy Tim uh, like being a little student revolutionary. There's just yeah, it's it's and so I was like, hmm, maybe he is wetter than I thought and maybe I need to expand my own horizons. Um, So that's what we're doing today. Um, And of course we're like Got it. Let's choose the one that's like the most has the most Bill Murray in it. Let's just <laughs> let's do this to ourselves. Let's. Uh, uh, we people really don't... wanted to challenge ourselves in yes, all ways we did. for this we did. episode. Yes. We, did. we really did. We really did. Uh, we're not huge Bill Murray fans. Um, we'll get into it. I did tolerate him in this movie um, pretty well. But yeah, it was it, yeah, it was certainly certainly a, stre- a stretch out of our comfort zone. We were in mm-hmm. our we were in our learning, growing, growing, reaching zone for this one. Um. So yeah, before we just like really dive down into the life aquatic, and we really get down in that tiny yellow submarine, <laughs> cheek to cheek. Uh, did what was the wettest moment of your week so far, Sophie? So I I was like really gunning for having an in-person 
um, real life experience <laughs> this week. I went to New York City. Oh, yeah. One of our wettest, wettest cities. Um, and it was quite wet, but it didn't really have anything that stands out as the wettest moment. I, did, I saw a, um, I saw an exhibit at the Met on surrealism, which oh. is a very goopy, goopy art movement. Um, and it's a lot more like polit, like, I knew it was pretty political, but overtly that the global movement of surrealism was, mm. was, um, very, um, and matched inextricable from from uh, sort of left wing anti colonial movements is something that 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 I I didn't understand as much and so I mm-hmm. learned um, and that's wet that's wet as hell because again I think I've said this fuck Salvador Dali he shouldn't yeah. be the face of surrealism because he became a fascist later in life he's not he's fake drippy clocks no that's your um, one thing yeah cool. Yeah, so there was some wet stuff. There was like a telephone with like a lobster on it, and I was like, "I, that's how it is sometimes." That, yeah, that that's is how, how it be. is. Um, and did you when you were like riding around, um, when you were driving around the city, did you put the Succession theme song on? I did. I yeah, um, well, yeah, I did take the subway, which wasn't very. Oh yeah, that's it, not very successful. It wasn't no. very uh, Roy family. The Roy family car didn't wasn't able to pick me up. Um, but I did see some buildings from the title intro, and I was like, I can't believe, can't believe this is it's real. I can't believe the Roys work there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I Roman Roy's in there just. Yeah splooging on the windows and i have to be down here with the proletariat um (laughs) but uh yeah and i also like i think i should commemorate this because it's a bit i it less than two weeks i listened to all of dune i on this podcast i said i'd do it and i did it and i loved it and it was I didn't understand all of it but it was easy it was fun all of you who are struggle reading it maybe get the audiobook maybe that helps i mean i have adhd i get it um i don't know like i i was like oh once i've read it i'll like be able to comment on like because both fascist and left-wing people claim it mm-hmm. i think the fascists are wrong but yeah. i but i'm i think i need to read more books because like this felt like it was still set up um and then i was also like i'm gonna know yeah, I'm just going to know things and I don't I think I know less. I feel like I'll know less <laughs> from reading it, but it was wet as hell. Uh they're like little spice spice poop worms. That yeah. was like a, the huge thing it conting- yeah. was contingent on is how wet like I thought spice was wet and then these worms are wet. Yeah. Everyone's obsessed with moisture, like how moist they are and like yeah, and that's just like always on their mind of the Fremen, and I love that. F- I love that for them. Um, but yeah, don't. I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna know how to act now that I've I've read Dune. Um, but more more importantly, um, Caitlin, what was your wet moment of the week? <laughs> so my wet moment of the week is I've talked about a couple of these things tiktok knows that i like this now so it it shows me it It, there's this person on tiktok who i should look up what her handle is but 
she talks about different aesthetics um, mm. in different time periods. And that's how I learned the name McBling and mm-hmm. how it's sort of distinct from Y2K and all the different like micro trends and micro aesthetics within those. And I really love just the specificity of it and um, and how she explains it. So this week I learned about one that is so crucial to our podcast. Um, I would say that it was very popular during um, during the time of Life Aquatic, though it was not depicted in the Life Aquatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like every other movie, think Spy Kids, think... Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, where's my car? Uh, we'll come up with others. But this aesthetic is called Wacky Pomo. Mm. And it was like a wacky kids with a Z marketing aesthetic mm-hmm. from the late mm-hmm. 1980s to the early into the early 2000s. And there's a uh, it's an amalgam of exaggerated motifs pulled from a couple different styles all thrown mm-hmm. together. The first is Googie architecture. Googie, I love Googie architecture. Oh my God, you've yeah. heard of Googie. Okay. Yes, I forget the name every three months. I'm like, what is that <laughs> thing that's like motels and like drive-in food? <laughs> It's fast food, yes. and, it, and it's like influenced yeah. by yeah car culture jets in the space age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the jet, the Jetsons. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's influenced by that and something called Memphis Milano style. Ooh. And Memphis Milano was uh, an Italian design and architecture group active from 1980 to 1987, and it's postmodern furniture, lighting, fabrics, carpets. Um, so it featuring like abstract shapes and ephemeral I designs, asymmetrical yeah. shapes. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. And then uh, also Wacky Pomo is also influenced by 1940s to the 1960s com- comic and cartoons, mm-hmm. uh, which is very evident. And then mm-hmm. Willy Wonka-esque Victorian whimsical eccentrism. That's Ooh. apparently a thing. Um, I love it. And and like I the mad this. scientist tropes and like hypnosis mm-hmm. spirals and stuff. And then finally influenced by gross out kid humor. Yes. Um, there's a big ooze motif in um, And I in imagine this style. Nickelodeon like Nickelodeon. Yes. Or is a purveyor it, of uh of wa- wacky pomo wacky pomo yeah that's a oh, great way it. to put it yeah is that um that is nick that was like nickelodeon's whole aesthetic basically like explosion shapes and like really exaggerated w- weird um like think of gogurt boxes go-gurt of gogurt commercial. or something like i i we- hate to get regional again a snippets Snippets. Snip, snip. I would tell them it's really fun because no grown ups get their hair done, just kids. He loves snips. A snippet, honestly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. is. Oh my god, all the way back from the, the pilot yeah, episode. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, I'm yes. going to go to a snippets um, and just talk to them about their aesthetic and just be like, D- did you know that this. Did you know a uh, five-year-old getting your first first haircut? I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's for it's for your first haircut. You yeah, know, like. uh, listen, this is all this. You might think this colorful cacophony around you is is just some is just a random assortment of kid-friendly things. No, this has a this has a 
30, 40 year legacy in designs reaching back into the, into the earlier 20th century, even into the Victorian age that has just influenced every design choice in here. And you are part of that legacy, even though, even though things might, um, uh, might be a little more in the digital space, a little more, uh, a little more in the, the uncanny valley of Cocoa Melon. Um, <laughs> you, we're, we're still like this, this is a sacred temple around you. Yes, um, exactly. So yeah, it was. I just love having a name for it, and mm-hmm. and tr- yeah, tracing exactly what you just described. It's yeah, we we can sort of see how it grew from the aesthetics before it and the art movements before it, and we still see traces of it. I think it's ha- because a lot of these aesthetics are sort of having a revival. Like Y two K has come back. Um, mm-hmm. I again. Uh, guess mcbling is gonna come back i hope to god it doesn't um i appreciate I'm br- I'm gonna it gonna bring it, it back to to <laughs> to spite you i'm getting i'm looking up juicy couture <laughs> oh uh, i mean there's like sweatsuit yeah i don't know is the sort of like leisure suit uh streetwear aesthetic of today is that sort of the juicy couture i i think so yeah yeah but but yeah, something about that velvet to me, because I didn't wear them. I, I think no, on the inside same. they were quite comfortable, but hugging people in them, I don't really like velvet as a texture. So it's kind of a sensory nightmare. Mm-hmm. But I think I I could I could wear it. So yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on that. Yeah. Um, I'm bringing I'm bringing McBling back. Um, it's happening. God. Sorry, Caitlin. Well, I hope if McBlain comes back that at least Wacky Pomo comes back in, in I mean, big time. I oh, guess, yeah. like, I see elements of Wacky Pomo in, I guess, I, I don't know what I would call the, call it now, but whatever sort of trending now with, like, um, jewelry that's that, that looks like it's candy and, mm-hmm. um, and, like, tons of happy face beads and mm-hmm. colorful beads and layers and layers of necklaces. Um sort of that aesthetic but yeah and there's also like this really specific like as soon as i heard wacky pomo described i was like oh my god it's like the nickelodeon alarm clock and people will know what i'm talking about it was this specific nickelodeon alarm clock that was just like probably every everybody's parents hated it because it was so goddamn loud but Mm -hmm. they would just play like loud cartoon noises at you oh yeah (laughs) i remember this thing But yeah, that is wacky pomo to to a T. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just it's really wet, and I love it. And it's found in most of our movies, not the Life Aquatic, because again, it had its own aesthetic going on. Well, there there is some of that go- googie uh, 1960s futurist, yeah, true aesthetic right. for sure. Um, some modernist. Really, Wes Anderson aesthetic. Oh yeah, you mm-hmm. that you you walk through you walk through the kitchen into the uh like sauna jacuzzi room into yeah. the like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah the um, the submarine to me is very is very is it his aesthetic is is extremely 1960s yeah um as well as being like its own thing um whew, what is your relationship to Wes Anderson Oh, yeah. So I don't know. I haven't seen a ton of his movies. I Mm -hmm. was I looked it up and I I've only seen uh, 
I had seen Life Aquatic before, but Mm -hmm. I think in high school, maybe like near Mm -hmm. when it came out and hadn't seen it in a while because holy shit, was I blown away by how homophobic and sexist (laughs) it is. And I was like, whoa, did I did I notice that the first Mm -hmm. the first time I watched it? Um, But yeah, I've seen this one. I've seen Fantastic Mr. Fox. I've seen the Darjeeling Limited several times. I think that's my favorite. Um, it's just like weird and quirky. And yeah. I've seen Moonrise Kingdom. So I would say I've seen the more precious ones is how I categorized it. it, it with the exception of Life Aquatic, I guess. Um, yeah. Where like nothing really fucked up or or even that sad happens. There's still fucked up yeah. stuff that happens. But um, I guess I was just like... I hadn't encountered this Steve Zissou character in a Wes Anderson film. I, I'm sure he exists in other ones, but in the more precious ones that I've seen where this like this asshole, awful character that doesn't really learn anything and right. ultimately says in the end, I, I, I'm cool with how people perceive me. However, they perceive me. Yeah, yeah. Um, he literally says it, and uh, and uh, yeah, that just unap- unapologetically. Which, uh, so. which I think is also like part of his character develop. I'm not. I hate hate his character, but mm-hmm. I do think he div like. Let's let's jump to the end. Um, the character <laughs> arc of the mm-hmm. main character. Yeah, I he's an asshole, and he he doesn't to me like really atone for like right this thing that's killed that's now killed two of his crew members one the first one not really being his fault but but certainly all the shit that happens is his fault Mm -hmm. however i think that the movie is trying to make the point that him letting go of the jaguar shark at the end is him kind of making peace with what happened to Esteban, his best friend, and not and not choosing the yes. the journey of revenge, and you, and you get the sense that like this won't be repeated again. Yes, and he's able to lean lean on others and mm-hmm. cry. And yeah. I think okay, ultimately yes. this movie is kind of about and toxic masculinity. But I think no, be, I think we're already we already don't like Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's and, a hard thing to get past. He's not a good character. He's a reprehensible character. Um, he's a, or he's unlikable, not reprehensible. Like he doesn't, he's not that evil. He's just unlikable and he's selfish, yes. like a lot of Wes Anderson characters. Yes. Um, and I think he his narrative arc is more resolving some of his own shit, but maybe yeah. as I think as audience members were like, yeah, but we kind of wish you like. You you had learned a little bit more, and I think that that's fair, yeah. and that's or just, that like yeah. I guess I I expected him to I don't I I was really I was surprised by how unforgiving mm-hmm. I was with uh how like I tried to keep track of of all the lines and I tried to keep a list of all the like homophobic and <laughs> misogynistic yeah. things, and mm-hmm. I I it was impossible. Like it was a feat that you is impossible to do because there's so many. And I was like, I hope that by the end, like there's less and there wasn't. Um, The only (laughs) thing I could find, and I really liked this because I, again, I liked how 
I liked how they both delivered it. And I will say that I liked Bill Murray's performance in this movie. Again, it's yeah. the same thing, but Des- I liked despite it. Despite hating it his moving. character, I, I, it didn't piss me off as much as yes. other yes. movies. I his, think it's a gr- yeah. I think it's his strongest performance I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jeff Goldblum says, um, well, they kind of talk about how Jeff Goldblum character and him are both He's married – are both kind of ex-husbands of Angelica Houston. Yes. Um, and they're like, yeah, well, we're like – we're kind of shitty. Yeah, we've never made good husbands. And Jeff Goldblum's like, well, I'm part gay, so that's kind of an excuse. Yes. And Bill Murray says, supposedly everyone is. So I was like, all right, maybe that's your own coming – maybe – that's no, acknowledgement. No. Jeff Gold- <laughs> I think it was Jeff Goldblum that said supposedly everyone is. No, no, no. Bill, Bill Murray it said is? it. It is? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And okay, I that thought- does change things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make it doesn't make up for the 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 horrible slurs he uses. Right. But us being us, we could interpret that hit this coming over like dealing with maybe his own internalized homophobia or just He's kind of like processed some of that. Yeah, and that like may, he he might start to take a deeper look at it. Like right, supposedly right. everyone is maybe maybe I could think about what that means for me. Right, you know? and, and, how, and this could and yeah, this could be the start I of am, something. Why I use this language? Why I'm I'm caught like caught up in this sort of like. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just. It was just. It was just a little jarring because like yeah, there's certainly it's like every like, line. Like, that's what I think is effective is, like, you got this, the cutesy aesthetic, and the characters, like, you get very, like, selfish characters or something very jarring will happen or death will happen or, or like, just a slur will happen. Yes, and <laughs> yeah. you're right that, like, yeah, a part of a part of Wes Anderson's whole – um a Wes Anderson movie is the juxtaposition of things and yeah. the sort of, I guess, humor that can come from that. Right. Like uh, – was something that I was struck with in this movie. I was like, it's such a Wes Anderson thing to just nonchalant have a character nonchalantly state like this wild, fantastical thing. Like, yes. Oh, yes. Well, that's that's this or what, and it's just like this something crazy. I did so. I wrote a um, scavenger hunt for things that I thought would be in the movie because I hadn't seen the. This is one I hadn't seen. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like, Oh yeah, so so yeah. How, how have you seen a couple Wes Anderson movies also? Uh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I I like go in and out. Like I I think I think probably I think the Darjeeling Limited was the first movie I'd ever seen of his. Um, and I've seen like Grand. Budapest Hotel, and um, I, re- I really love the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, I, I've, and then I've seen, like, a few – I think a few others. Um, and I think that uh, – and I actually think that the French Dispatch was my favorite one. It was just – it was a nice. cacophony, but it was, like – I think that he, like – I think he's grown a lot in, in a lot of the things that annoyed me. Um, so I think, like – I've gone through periods of being like, oh, he's so twee and annoying and like – and being like there is just a lot of like racist tropes in like most mm-hmm. of his movies and, and how he frames a lot of characters of color, which is something like 
that that I that's always like oh okay yeah um, that's like really egregious too like it's it's he very just straight it's up very doesn't egregious. give them lines doesn't give them names yeah. doesn't give them interiority the way yeah. he and he's so about character too yeah yeah and yeah that I think that's why it's so frustrating that like it's a it's a story that's about mm-hmm. Bill Murray and Bill Murray's journey and yet the journey is so short like so yes. <laughs> um he, yeah he doesn't get very far <laughs> so to being like i'm using i'm so homophobic but maybe i'm gay <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> or I'm, maybe we're all gay yeah so maybe it's, it's just internalized i'm still definitely homophobic but it's <laughs> maybe internalized a but little may, bit but maybe i have to accept that everybody's gay now yeah um yeah i i don't yeah i don't think i'm not suggesting that his character is gay. I'm not going to make the case for that. I no. Um, but I like I like his movies. What I like is that it'll be. I think that they're very funny and that they do hit you when the emotional moment beats happen. They really hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that juxtaposition. Yes. Um. So yeah. So some things that I was looking for. Um. In this before I started watching, I was like. And this is what fucking freaks me out. Uh, a gramophone didn't. I don't think that happened. <laughs> I didn't see one. A jalopy, which I didn't. I just wrote that down, uh-huh. and I was like, "What is a jalopy?" But it sounds like an old timey word, and it's a, it means a dilapidated car. Yeah, he literally uses the word jalopy to like <laughs> to talk about like an old ship, yeah. um, and I freaked the fuck out. Um, Harpsichord didn't happen. Not one of those. Um, there, I don't think there was even harpsichord music. I think that's maybe just like Royal Tenenbaums shit. Um, typewriter. That's mm. a free space. That's going to be in everyone. That's a free space on this bingo. A precocious child. At the end. At the end. Yes. The, li- <laughs> the Willem Dafoe's little German child. I think yeah. any German child is precocious. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Some like Lemony Snicket words, which I didn't keep track, but I assume every word. Um, ooh, nerdy horniness, which I, I was watching the French Dispatch and I was like, is are all his films this horny? And my friend was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm just now ready to like deal with. There's definitely some horniness. Um a funny misunderstanding uh so that came across in um Willem Dafoe's character like crossing the line to not mm-hmm. understanding there was an ultimatum like you have to, if you cross the line you don't want to be you don't want to be under my captain captain C anymore yeah um that was one of the pan- funniest moments when he's like can we l- l- we have to do a do-over i i didn't understand <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. and then it's like it's like three minutes of them just being like yeah yeah but that yeah yeah a uh, deadpan delivery of deep devastating emotion mm. uh little mr uh owen wilson who has never looked hotter than in this movie oh interesting i think he was very hot in this do you know what mine would be is um he did, he did look hot in this, but my hottest one is uh, Night at the Museum too. <laughs> okay, I have not seen those, but um, as someone on Tumblr, I know there's a very vibrant shipping community between him and the Roman soldier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they're they're both really hot. Yeah. Get it out. They need us. Ain't gonna make it. Greatest cowboy's been to his last down. Octavius, remember me as I was. Wild and free and, 
No need for final words. Oh, I'm not finished yet. Oh. I want to get to the story of our relationship, the evolution from enemy to friends. No! It'll make you cry. No! Because you are going to live! I think, like, yeah, you just dress Owen Wilson up as a cowboy. It works. It works. Oh, yeah. So I'll have to watch that and maybe revise it. So Owen Wilson says... Really deadpan. I actually feel like my heart is breaking. And like, is that overdramatic? Um, zoom shots, station, uh, you know, classic symmetrical shots, all that shit. That all happened. Yep. One of mine was uh, it's it, just having all the characters doing wild accents for literally no reason. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no reason. Um, and they're going to some of them are good. Some, Some of, of them, them are good. good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are bad. <laughs> Owen Wilson's Owen Wilson. accent was, he was supposed to be from Kentucky, and it, it sounded so British to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, it was egregious. Yeah, yeah. And he's- I, enj- I loved Kate Blanchett's, which was a sort of subtle accent, like she still played yeah. British, but it was this like, very, um, I didn't know what push sort of- um, breathy uh, accent more so than she'd normally do. She was very luminous in this in this role. Um, oh, of course. Um, Defoe is German, Defoe which he is, was one of the good accents. I thought he was or one like of the decent. Good yeah. So Owen Wilson is from Dallas, so he's what been around hell? people from Owen the south. Wilson. <laughs> he should have just done a Dallas accent, and none of us would have been like, "That's no. not Kentucky. That's Dallas." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god. But yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely watch Night at the Museum because I'm. I'm now like oof. Yeah, Owen Wilson. Um, I love him. Yeah. So okay, this movie I thought opened really wet. Which okay, I, again, right, I was I so I think uh, I was just by the end I was like this movie is so much wetter than I thought. This movie is so wet. Um, so yeah, I really organized my notes mostly by like critically wet moments and wet lines, like the okay, wettest lines ever. Because my notes are all over the place. <laughs> over the place. So they they start and it's they're in Italy and they're showing the first part of his documentary that was halted because um because the leopard shark ate his best friend and partner um and so they show the they show part one and the guy is introducing it and it's this italian man and i'm like okay this is very wet they're speaking (laughs) italian it's the look the the theater they're in is the loquasto which is very wet. There, he's just saying Steve Zissou over and over again. Very wet. Um, Steve Zissou keeps talking about his island, which is uh, Pescespada Island. Pescespada Island, and all the characters have to like try to say it at one point, and they all they all kind of say it a little differently, but always wet. Yeah, just the fetishization of European culture. Yeah. And other cultures, which is where it gets problematic. But Europe, it's fun. It's cool. We can do that. Um, yeah, exactly. Not a bad hi- history there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's cutesy. I, um, him, like, him kind of, like, introducing his bullshit. Um, so he's introducing, like, his, the first part of his film. Yeah. Which is about the jaguar shark, which he mm-hmm. has discovered. 
that has killed his best friend, Esteban. Yes. And I love that, that it's Steve and Esteban. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. And they were together for like 32 years or something. And like, just. Were they in love? Okay, I cannot get into what Dude, Steve Sisu. I mean, I think it's fair to say that like, it was very clear by the end that that there there's a lot of like homoeroticism in this movie, despite yes. a lot of the lines being said a very homophobic. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely think they it, it, you are right in inferring that they maybe had. I mean, they're like guys out on like just a small crew out on you know the open ocean for months and months. Yeah, we all know we all know about. Pi- uh, mate, 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 a lodge—is that what it's called? Oh, I don't. Pi- pirate marriage. I know of it. I didn't know it had a a name, but Metalotage. Yeah. yeah. Um, same-sex civil unions amongst sailors, particular pirates in the 17th and 18th century. Yeah, there um, you go. It was an economic partnership, and uh, well, that's what Wikipedia says. I'm sure it was very, it was romantic. Yeah. Um, and you know. And sexual as well. Um, Definitely. I I think their ideals were just not the same. Yes. Yeah. yeah, How how we live our lives right now. The sea, as we know from Waterworld, is it is a space where. It'll get you to drink your own piss. It'll get you to drink your own piss. It's dangerous, but it's also liberating being out on the sea. You, You can be a new person, but you can also, you know, it can also it's very dangerous and you can yeah. go on and you can go and it can turn on, on you in on a dime like it, can. it yeah it can you can think the skies are clear and mm-hmm. then a storm comes out of nowhere and you think you're prepared and it just destroys everything in a yeah. in a second there can be a rogue wave that you mm-hmm. literally can't predict and literally comes out of nowhere rogue waves are real i'm terrified of them mm-hmm. i wish i didn't know about them they're giant walls of water that will destroy huge huge massive ships and you know and we and they're a huge mystery like we don't know what really how they happen and so it's yeah life is i think people know when they're out on the open ocean life is very precious i think people i think it just gets you feel it in your bones yeah um yeah and so then we meet uh we meet his the the crew we meet the people that are like funding it and being a part of it and um and then and i'm like dumbledore get out of here (laughs) oh yeah michael gavin (laughs) and this is the same year he debuted as mean dumbledore um (laughs) which is how i think we distinguish them as like nice and mean dumbledore right yeah i protest harry Harry, you put your name in the goblet of fire which honestly like he was prescient about that um mm-hmm. oh i i support michael gambin's some, performance some spice because in the end dumbledore was an asshole and a yeah. child of danger um, and just like a dude just we need like our heroes are just people you know just people. and dumbledore too yeah um i didn't track what michael because there's a like there was nowhere near as many characters as the french dispatch um 
But oh, I were did, you going to say you couldn't tell how you couldn't describe what his function and yeah, in the what team, his what, role yeah. was, except that and I did wasn't tracking it. And I didn't want to go back because again, I was like, I was more like I'm like here for Blanchett, Defoe, Wilson. Yeah. That's like yeah. my trifecta of like Houston, they're kind too. of in their hot primes. They're yeah. still hot. Don't get me wrong. I'm I I think they all age great. I'm not ageist. Um, but uh, everybody is like in their prime in this. They movie, are though. in their like, prime. Even Bill Murray doesn't look that bad in this. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Everyone looks. Everyone looks great. Angelica Houston just. Yeah, kind of has to play like an annoyed wife, but but she again, she has such a presence. She's a, she's one of our greatest wet actors. We she have. is, um, and she just like. Yeah, she just commands a scene. She you does. Know, she, you she have does. to use her sparingly, almost. Yes. And I think Wes Anderson knows this. He yeah. uses her always. He well, again, I haven't seen all of them, but uh, but in the ones I've seen, Angelica Houston's in them, and she, so he uses her a lot. But but again, sparingly. He knows that mm-hmm. she will take over if if to yeah. if use too much. And and these are good things. I think that's these a good, are good thing too. And. You know, um, so what was Michael Gambon's role in this? Couldn't tell you. I think he, he gets was arrested like, or he, he's on the run at some point. I feel like he was funding he was, them somehow because he wasn't actually there with them, but right. he would like call and yell at them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He was just calling and yelling at them. Um, he just wanted more. I think his role was very much like, I want more pictures of Spider-Man. You know, that yeah. kind of oh, role sure. that pl- in, in any team, you have that character. Like, uh, it's often, like, a script supervisor or it's um, or it's a producer or it's editor-in-chief. A, yeah. a treasurer, editor-in-chief who's mm-hmm. like, listen, I know you want to, like, faff about, but we need more pictures of Spider-Man. Oh, what, is he shy? If we can get a picture of Julia Roberts in a thong, we can certainly get a picture of this weirdo. Put an ad on the front page. Cash money for a picture of Spider-Man. He doesn't want to be famous. And I'll make him infamous. Yeah. And we all have that person that we work with who's just demanding, like, hard on the desk, fist on the desk, demanding more pictures of Spider-Man. And you're like, yes. Yes, Amy. I know. I know. I'll be out there. I'll get those really weirdly intimate photos of spider-man don't ask me how i'm getting them and it'll be fine but we all can relate yeah and then uh then jeff goldblum shows up and he's there he is this is some peak i think this is also the peak of his hotness honestly i even more so than jurassic park i'm sorry i that's controversial I, it is hard for me to pick a hottest <laughs> a, a prime is it the fly jeff for you I mean, th- literally everything we're mentioning, I'm like, yes, it's that one. And then I'm like, oh, he just did, he he does this um, series on Disney Plus where he just like goes to fun places and like just parties with people and and it, he look he's great now. He look he's I can't pick a prime for him. It's like it's this, like a he was um, kind of like swole, but like and wearing like and wearing these like European clothes and sipping espresso and just being, oh, and being yeah. like his he, nemesis. The outfits that he chooses, he's shirtless in most of the scenes, which yeah. you got Gold Bloom in the movie, that's gonna happen. Um and his energy, I just I realized recently that his energy that he has in pretty much anything he does, and definitely in real life, is what I aspire to. 
like to emulate the the most in life like my right. goal as i as i evolve and and change um is is that energy where like he's just everyone always feels like he's flirting with them everyone yes yeah yep. and and everyone feels it and it's yeah it's amazing and then is it his uh son that gives zisu the crayon pony fish or is it it was that um willem dafoe I, that's Willem Dafoe's kid. Okay, so the Willem kid Dafoe gives... is German, and that little boy is wearing Lederhosen. So, oh yes, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, so that's when he hands him the and he hands him a bag of water, and there's something in it that's like kind of moving around, and he gives it to Bill Murray, and Bill Murray holds it up, and we get a close up of it, and he's like, "Oh, a crayon pony fish." And it's the first of several animals throughout the movie that are not real um, right. and are stop motion animation. And when this happened, I was like, I don't get this movie. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. And it's weird because I didn't hate it. I don't. Yeah. I, I will. Let's talk about stop motion animation now. Um, let's do it. But uh, invented in. 1935 by Gumby. <laughs> by Gumby and friends. You think it's about Gumby. No, Gumby was pulling the shots. Yep. Um, he named it after himself. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I am a fan. I'm a fan of stop motion animation. And even I, watching this, I was like, I don't get what's happening. I mm -hmm. What is this? And it's not really answered for you. I think it's just a weird, quirky thing. I think he just it, likes... It's an aesthetic choice. Yeah. I'm going to say, as someone who typically hates stop motion, mm -hmm. with asterisks, there are many beautiful, beautiful stop motion films, TV shows that I love, but uh, it's a real... Like, for example, I really... I will never see it again, but I think Coraline is a masterpiece. I think okay, I appreciate yeah. it. I think it's great. It's so horrifying, and and that's one that really that shouldn't shouldn't be up my alley. Um, I love watch Wallace and Gromit so much as a kid. Love it. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Again, with the stop motion, it just it freaks me out a little bit. Um, I think it's like like claymation more maybe than just like other forms of stop because not all stop motions claymation right right and i don't right. think this i don't know it's tough to tell it feels like it was a no not all stop motion is claymation yes um, yeah it was, exactly. it was tough for me to tell what it was in this i this looked like just really good claymation like really smooth claymation. it was really good and so i liked it in this because i liked i think it was just very weird to have like everything be live action but except mm -hmm. like they're in like Literally, like, a yellow submarine under the sea looking at goopy stuff. Or not or just looking at, like, animated fish. Yes. But I think it worked for me. I think I like a blending of styles. Mm -hmm. um, in the same way that I, if I'm going to have a Muppet movie, I want some people, some real people, a Tim Curry to ground it. Because yes. I'm like, okay. if it's only – we talked about this. If it's mm -hmm. only puppets – I'm out. I'm out at sea. I'm unmoored. I don't know where I am. I'm scared. Um, same with claymation. I love. Mm -hmm. I love a. Um, 
I love that that mo- most everything is not that, and then mm-hmm. it really makes the the stop motion pop. Because yes, it's, and they were so like shiny and iridescent, but still so like not even iridescent. I don't know how to describe their shininess. It was shiny in the way that a Wes Anderson aesthetic can be. Yes. It was like it was it was that kind of yeah, it was just special to me. Um and I yeah, I thought it popped, but uh like like the the uh little like seahorse. Yes. Or is that the pony fish? Yeah, that was the that little was the pony, pony fish. fish. Yeah. Um so that's a, it's a seahorse. Um it's, it's not, a seahorse. It wasn't yeah. the best. So some of the made up animals were um the jaguar shark the rhinestone bluefin, the crayon pony fish, the wild snow mongoose, uh, the the electric jellyfish, fish and sugar crab, sugar crabs, and I thought I loved the electric jellyfish. That yes. was like that was pretty wet because it's jelly oh, jellyfish. Yeah. So in that scene, it begins with uh, Bill Murray says it's a a rubber tide. Yeah, calls it a yeah. rubber tide. That's a critically wet moment. That is yes. something I've yeah. identified as a critically wet moment. And he says, "When hundreds of electric jellyfish spontaneously wash onto a beachhead at once." And then he says, "The it's not. They're not really electric. It's the reflection of the moonlight on their outer membranes." This Beautiful. is all really wet. Yeah. Beautiful, so wet. whimsical. It's yeah. wet in a whimsical way, which can like. I would say that, like, the movie's whimsical in its dryness and its wetness. Yes. And again, I think that, like, playing with dryness is also interesting. Um, But it's not really, you know. I think uh, another really wet thing about Wes Anderson's movies in general are his names. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess they couldn't always be wet, but they're always really, like... Mm-hmm. They're always a mouthful. They're always really funny and silly mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. So, uh, and they're and they're in this movie at least very Brundle esque. Um, yes, you've yes. got ne- Ned Plimpton. Ned, that's Plimpton. a really wet name. Z- I mean, Steve Zissou already uh-huh. very wet. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is Alistair Hennessy. Just <laughs> s- s- snake Ooh, snake so sounds. Um, there's a character named Vladimir Wolodarsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just there's some wet names in o- this. Osiri Dracula Draculius is Michael Gammon's character. Oh yeah, and then and the names of things. Um Pestispada Island. Uh at the end, Jeff uh, Jeff Goldblum keeps saying he he has to go to um Port a Patois. Port a Patois over and over again. Yeah, just really wet names. Yeah, wet wet names. Yeah, and again, the I think those jellyfish exemplify in that they're like They've got like an electric quality, and I would say mm-hmm. that, um, which is interesting because he talks a lot about like losing his spark. That's yeah. a theme. Is that he's past his prime? People are mad at him because he, the guy died, and yeah. his his work no longer resonates with the public. Everyone hates him. He's kind of lost his spark. So there's like there's like electric and and a little bit of like. Slime, a little bit of sliminess with those jellyfish. Uh, yeah. There's also, also a moment. So the central relationship in this is um, his own Wilson character is his supposed long lost son who reconnects with him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is he really his son? Oh, uh, uh, Bill Murray had known about Owen Wilson actually his whole life. Um, and 
it's him coming on board to become a the, part of the Steve Steve Zissou crew and giving all of his life's inherent mother's inheritance to to the project. Yes. Um and again, so Steve Zissou is like a Jacques Cousteau character. Yes. Who I don't know a lot about Jacques Cousteau. I don't know if you do. He no. seemed like he was probably a wet dude. Um, I think, yeah, he's just like adventure and discovery. Discovery. And he cre- he uh, he helped to invent the Aqualung. Which, oh, like, sick. All right. That's wet to me. That's like, all right. He's like, I need to be down in the depths figuring yeah. stuff out um but he seemed to be like kind of like uh just all about being on being being on the sea being a gentleman explorer um, yes and you know what i'm is just occurring to me now i didn't realize he was based at all or sort of on on jacques Cousteau, but uh there's this moment when you first get to the ship and he's just like i think he's showing owen wilson around and he's just like he just walks past a huge painting in an ornate frame and he just goes, Lord Mandrake, and Ugh. then just wa- walks to the next one. And I was like, who in the fuck is Lord Mandrake? And later you do learn that it was Steve's mentor um, growing up, but you really don't learn much past yeah. that. And just like Lord Mandrake is just such like a it, it's such a weighty that name carries so much weight. It's like portentous and mythical and. Maybe maybe that plays into it, t- too, that, like, Lord Mandrake, his mentor, was sort of this Jacques Cousteau character um, also. And so and so Steve Zissou is the way he is because he just has it in his blood to to go seek out, you know, right, he has right, to follow right. in the footsteps of Lord Mandrake. Yes. Yeah, so it's like it's about it's about revenge against the yes. jaguar shark, but it's also about him rediscover. Like he wants to rediscover that that spark. Um, so I wrote down. I didn't write down a lot of quotes because I th- I think I was like all Wes Anderson's movies. I'm I'm a little bit like I just kind of have to like go for the ride because there's yeah. a lot of di- like dialogue and colors and things move fast and and so many characters. So, but there's a point where um. I think before when they hear about the electric jellyfish being washed on the shore, he says mm-hmm. to, to Ned, to Owen Wilson's character, throw on your slob and meet me at the beach in 12 minutes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's right before they go see the rubber tide. Yeah. So what is a slob? I don't know, but that's such a fucking wet way to say it. Like, are you kidding me? Throw on um, your slob. It. They had to have meant. The, a wetsuit? A wetsuit, I think, probably. So I'm on the dive forum. Okay, good. It- <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find a husband. Hell um, yeah, just troll, trawling around. good under pressure. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, yeah. I, I'm, I'm good ready. Under good under pressure. <laughs> who uh, can... Comfortable going going down under for a while, for up to hour. Who's got crazy eyes? Who's got hydrogen psychosis? Yeah. That's Listen, what Bill Murray had I at the will, beginning. Yeah, I will. I'm ready for whatever twists and turns. <laughs> Even if we get the bends, I'm ready yep. for whatever whatever the ocean throws at us. Um, so I'm looking it up. All I'm finding is that there is a thing in scuba diving 
called a slob knob. And <laughs> And that's what this podcast is about is finding <sighs> these discoveries. <laughs> and cuz there's there's also a famous uh, song called Slob on My Knob, Slob which is knob. about, from to my understanding, Caitlin, is about the act of fellatio. Um, oh, not? I wouldn't guess the scuba diving thing, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Slob Knob, um, I think it's like, and I am scuba certified, so I should know more. But like 10 years ago. I don't know if it's still before slob for open water, but I don't think, again, I had a really scary scuba instructor. And so like everything I learned was, was (laughs) fear-based. So I don't think I would have even enjoyed him being like, put on your slob knob, you you scuba sluts. Cause that would have just been terrifying (laughs) to hear. Um, Whereas if it was from like, Willem Dafoe, I'd be like, sure. Yeah. Um, Wait, so what So what is it? slob knob, I think, <laughs> is the thing that attaches the air from your scuba tank to your um, whatever the breathy thing is. I think that's what they call it. Um, okay. And maybe, like, it's a knob because you can, like, make it tighter or looser. Yeah, yeah. And then you, like, slob on it. <laughs> yeah, that makes you sense. You do... Like a lot of a lot of scuba diving is wet, and again, not because of the ocean and the water. No, um, but just like you have to like be aware, you're just very like it's very claustrophobic, and you're like contained in your own world, yes. and like you're very you have to be very aware of like the juices inside of you, and like the pressure and the air, and like your breathing. And when it's just you like, go under the water, you're no longer a human being. You're yeah. just like a sack, a, a sack filled with smaller sacks filled with <laughs> fluid. That's all you, when you go under the water, that's all you are. It's true. It's yeah. true. It's very wet. Um, So yeah, if anyone... Yeah, I love I love that scuba drivers love to slob on those knobs. They I- do. They throw on their slob. God slob that I knob and you. yeah. Um. Okay. So, did you notice that one of the interns, in fact, the intern who? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I did. But like, embarrassingly late into the movie, and I freaked the fuck out. Oh, I noticed him right away. I noticed him. <laughs> I noticed him so early. I was not sure that he was going to be in the rest of the movie. Yeah, I noticed yeah. him in like the background of a scene, and I was like, "Is that Gublar back there? <laughs> is that a little? Is that a little? Goblin? Is that a little MGG? Um, is that a little MGG goblin back there? Um, yeah, With cute, a cute curly mop of hair. Yes, yeah, um, Matthew you Gray Googler. It got me thinking about because he we brought him up because he's like a Tumblr sexy man, and I so it got me thinking. I believe Wes Anderson is a Tumblr sexy man himself. Don't yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I think so. It, the way he dresses and presents, yes, for sure. The way he yeah. presents himself, for yeah, and he's very tall, also. Yeah, Not that, little... that has to be a thing, but like he's a beanstalk kind of guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. If you're given like a little bit of that, like hot Ebenezer Scrooge, bo- yes. body, uh, body and presentation, and presentation a little yeah, bit of a little that. bit a little bit of hot a little bit of dilf ebenezer scrooge a little bit of like 
scarecrow a little bit thrown in there. A little bit of like, mm, just like psychosexual penny farthing yep. uh, gallivanting energy. Yes. That is how I would describe Wes Anderson. Yeah. So just ch- mo- movies chock full of Tumblr sexy men. Yeah. Really. So Matthew, um, Gre- Matthew Gray Goobler, Goobler, he mm-hmm. is and he's in this. And yep. um, for a while, he's just the guy he, that Bill Murray keeps asking to make him drinks. Yeah, so he's one of the unpaid interns, and I thought this was so funny. This is, like, the humor that I love, is that there are unpaid interns on this very dangerous mission, and just there for class credit, and at one point when pirates take over their ship, uh, a line that made me laugh really hard was, don't point the gun at him, he's an unpaid intern. (laughs) And I'm just like, and then they, I think some of them stay, come back. But at one point they leave and he goes like, no, you're not getting class credit. Credit, It's incomplete after they've been like hi- hijacked. And yeah, yeah I love and it. And that, that uh, yeah, after they've been hijacked and bit held hostage by pirates. Yeah. And he's like, Steve Zeus is like, okay, if you want to go now, then like, <laughs> like that, yeah. that it would even be a possibility that. <laughs> <laughs> that they might want yeah. to leave after they almost died. Yeah. So then, oh, okay. So who are they talking to when they're given like some rules that they have to adhere to? They say that they'll want to drug test the whole crew. Is that Michael Gambon? I think so. Yeah. Because, yeah, Michael Gambon is, uh, so I guess they get their, they get the whole crew together. They're ready to go. Um. Michael Gambon's like they wanted they'll want to drug test the whole crew and Bill Murray says a piss test Michael Gambon's <laughs> like a piss test a piss like, test okay great wonderful great. oh another really wet line that was so good um oh they're uh this is a critically wet moment they're jumping um I think this is like them talking about the past um mm-hmm. like good times that they've had in the past like I think this was a memory where they're jumping into a big hole in the ice that they've dug so it, it's water um and they're jumping into it but they find little baby seals that yeah yeah this yeah. is what mm-hmm. and um and someone says run and get some hot milk and put these in the incubator <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I thought that's that's pretty that was very wet. It's yeah, they so were good. they were they kind of looked like the kittens that um, she <laughs> throws up in brand new cherry flavor. Yeah, which hopefully all of our listeners have watched that and are mad at us. Oh yeah, and I yeah. was gonna bring that as one of my wet moments of the week one time, but then I realized like for several weeks I was just doing like stuff I had seen a week after you had already talked about it yeah yeah um, yeah <laughs> like, I think I that's that. fun for people and you could come with like a different take like that's true like it was normal and you you all the shit that happened in brand new cherry, cherry flavor you were just like, yeah it's LA it's LA <laughs> yeah. Sophie you have well, a weak stomach didn't I say that at first I was like wait so you're telling me it was just one kitten every day that doesn't sound that bad. Come on. I, yeah. But, um, yeah. But then the, she gets a side vagina. And then, that's... then that happens. Yeah. And I love that she's like, I want to go back to the normal way. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm she's like, I'm going to experiment with it. It's not a deal breaker for me yeah. and this new guy. But, um, yeah. She's like, well, as long as I've got this, might as well <laughs> see, might as well take it out for a test drive. <laughs> Which, um, 
who's to say how we would react? Listeners, write in. Uh, Colin, if you if a witch cursed you <laughs> so that you had like a orifice in the side of your belly that resembled genitalia, uh, would you experiment with it? If it also looked horrifying, but it was very pleasurable, would you very be into it? And like instantly, extremely wet. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, Just like she kind dr- of had no choice but to deal with it, because like, <laughs> I mean, her. Yeah, I don't. Okay, and then also the part that I was gonna bring up if I if I talked about it as the wet moment mm-hmm. of the week was I told you this where and. Josh was like, you have to tell Sophie what you were like during this during this scene oh, where I, I like I mean, I, I did tell you this. Um, it's the scene where the bad guy like uh, pulls a worm thing yeah. out Ugh, of I his eye it. I hate it. Yep. and yep. it is yep. it goes on forever yeah and then yeah, yeah. and then one of the zombie guys like eats it yeah and I I literally had to go into the bathroom and gag and that's like never happened to me before where something has made me watching something has like made me actually have to throw up that's like uh osmosis jones zit scene level gross yeah honestly um yeah people listeners if you haven't watched brand new cherry flavor yet it is no joke one of the most horrific grossest wildest rides ever Mm -hmm. but but very good i enjoyed it yeah wild ride yeah if any of that disgusting horrifying horrifying uh sort of like life-alteringly uh disturbing body horror sounds fun to you check it out check it out yeah um yeah it's fun it's fun why were we talking about that Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, because the baby, the little seals looked like the kittens. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, um, yeah, that she throws up. And then, okay, so then um, they're walking, they're walking on the beach, and Bill Murray just goes, "Oh, the sugar crabs are back," and I think it's Angelica Houston is like, "They're early this year. I've never seen them mating before the solstice," and you're just like. <laughs> all right these okay sugar crabs be fucking early this year and then they were like but are they mating and then it shows them and they're like yeah. maybe fighting and i was like "Ooh, this is like that's the age-old question that's the age-old question <laughs> and what's happening on the submarine people are f- right not everyone's fucking but maybe they are uh they're fucking or fighting or trying to reconnect with their dad yeah their possible dad yeah um okay so then they go find this they go find Jeff Goldblum's, uh, like, he has this little observatory, observation uh-huh. thing in the middle of the ocean. Um, and it is this, r- it's rusty in the middle of the ocean, and it mm-hmm. is storming. It is raining so hard. Yes. And this yes. is a critically wet moment. This, yes, this, this, the I crew, had this. Yeah, the crew in their blue outfits just on on this little rusty observatory thing. And then you go right from there to Owen Wilson in the jacuzzi. Yes. Oh, yeah. And he says to this is where I started to be like, everything in this movie is wet. I was so surprised. So he's in the jacuzzi and um, Kate Blanchett's character is also there. And he's like, here, I stole it back. And he's talking about a sand dollar from earlier in the movie Mm -hmm. that she had found. Um, He says, here, I stole it back and strung it on some peppermint dental floss in case you want to wear it like a necklace. 
Yeah. Really sweet. I loved it. (laughs) I liked their love story. Maybe because they're both such hot. They both really do it for me. Um, They, yeah. And that, like, it's just, um, it's so natural they just like both really accept each other for who they are and where and where they're at in their lives right now Mm -hmm. um and it's and it's really sweet yeah but and and of course like juxtaposed against how shitty bill murray treats her and is like i called you i called dibs um he it just like automatically makes him seem sweeter too yeah he Um, seems yeah oh my god and then jeff goldblum figures out that somebody Oh, my God. When he learns, he says it so many times throughout the rest of the movie. He says, apparently some crooked fuckers broke into my C-Lab. <laughs> and I was like, that's one of my favorite movie lines. Just Jeff Goldblum in only underwear and a robe. That's yeah. it. Open robe and underwear saying over and over, some crooked fuckers <laughs> broke into my C-Lab. Like. <laughs> Out of context, in context, love it. That that's such a Jeff Goldblum problem in his yes. real life. That's yeah. what he's dealing with. Seriously, yeah. And he, um, the way he delivers it is so good. I I hope I can get a clip of him saying it. Your engine blew up and all your fuel's been stolen. Is that correct? Uh huh. Well, I certainly know how you feel. Some crooked fuckers just stripped my sea lab. You know. Um, yeah. And then he says, "I'm so pissed. I want to spit." We're going to hunt down those sickos. Mm-hmm. So, and I was, I wanted to be like, do it. Like, all you're so pissed, all you're going to do is spit. Like, that's not that, you're on a boat. Just do right, it. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, just, just, yeah, it's not, it's not Arrakis. You can spit freely. It's, yes, it's cool. you don't have to reserve it for uh, greetings, you know, greetings to show your reverence or, to someone. Exactly. Or, or, yeah, your, or for your own body. You, you can, freely give away your spit yeah you can can express your emotions with your spit one of my favorite lines and i and i do agree i i i enjoyed the female characters but yeah i don't think they got as much well i don't i honestly think only really steve's character was really fleshed out yes that's what the whole movie was about yeah it's about him whereas like other other wes anderson movies they go on like little jaunts where they follow a character's thread yeah, and they a little follow their vignettes, story kind of vignettes yeah. where you learn more and and this was steve's story yeah um so but i wish there's a little bit more characterization just because kate blanchett is is like you know god tier actor yes um but one of her my favorite lines that she has because she's she's pregnant um but estranged from the father and she she i think it's like at some point maybe when they're like Maybe when they're being, like, attacked by pirates. But she says, I need to find a baby for this father. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just thought it was so funny. It was just so f- – it was just such a funny moment. Yeah, um, And no one corrected her, which yep. was – yeah. So good. Yeah. And then let's see. Oh, right before they get taken over by pirates, they – again, this is where I was like, this is a critically, critically wet moment. Uh, they, okay, so something we haven't mentioned yet is a, typically with Wes Anderson movies, or often with Wes Anderson movies, um, Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo, who has done the score for a couple movies at this point, um, Mm -hmm. because he's such a wet dude. So he often does the score for Wes Anderson movies, and he does the score for this one. And 
when so it's it's been building up you've you've heard him his his music up until this scene but then it like ratchets up to 11 when they go underwater um they're they're all i don't think they're in the um submarine i think they're scuba diving okay yes, um, yeah yeah where it's this really like the score is really loud and really fantastic and um it, you you really makes you feel what's what's happening which is the underwater world looks really ethereal and magical ethereal, and fantastic and, and beautiful yeah yes you see like creature after creature stop motion um and it's yeah it's really it was this it's this really magical moment in the middle of what for me is is like not that magical of <laughs> like the rest of the things happening aren't aren't very magical or precious right. um but this was a really really cool moment and mm-hmm. then right after that they're uh they're boarded by pirates and this is when i was just thinking like i think people just love bill murray running around a dirty ship in a speedo and I, they blue do. Robe yeah. with a gun just like shooting haphazardly at people yeah and it, people just love that and it's really wet and i respect other people's tastes mm-hmm. it's just not for us i think i think we don't it's not for us even yeah, though i not did like this character because like again it is about how it is about how like shitty his he is and how yeah. he needs to change. And he's and, like, a, he's a vivid, very realized round character. Like, yeah, he and is. and the pathos he shows, like I I, I liked it. Like I, I thought he did a really good job. Um, I thought that yeah, it was kind of tragic because I, it also kind of changed stylistically. Um, sort of like the colors became more vivid. Yeah, he basically he hears his unpaid interns his crew like praying for their lives and he's like i've gotten them into this situation where they might die they've kidnapped my son um and so he has like a real hero's moment where he like breaks out and he like shoots them all and i was like i think this is because i haven't seen this movie i was like i think this is like a fantasy sequence because like it's very stylized and like there's no way he's really doing this but he, he really did it but the tragedy is is that all of his crew was blindfolded. So they didn't witness this moment of heroism that he did. And so, like, and, like, it's still, like, their fault because he made them go in unprotected waters and and, um, he doesn't pay his interns or give... um, But I thought that was, like, that that was, like, an interesting moment for me. Oh, yeah. um, For sure. Yeah, um, I wrote down... I want some context because, again, my... My notes are all over the place. Is does Willem Dafoe fuck too much? I know in like real life, yes. But is that <laughs> is there context in the movie? Do they reference that he fucks too much? Huh? Because I wrote a question mark, so I wasn't sure about it. You know, I don't have any notes that corroborate <laughs> that. Weirdly, um, we know that he has a kid, so he's at least yeah. fucked once. <laughs> does Willem Dafoe's <laughs> character i we know he has a terrifyingly life. large penis right in real life in yes. real life yeah 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 okay yeah no, <laughs> as no a confusingly large pe- yeah. penis i think um i bet it's i bet it's terrifying <laughs> i bet it's terrifying uh yeah lars von trier found willem defoe's penis confusingly large for i think the movie 
Antichrist, and he he was like, no, we have to have a he like Willem Dafoe is like, I'm ready to be naked in this movie, and Lars von Trier was like, no, 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 no. Um, we had a stand-in for him. We had to take the scenes out with his own dick. Hold in. The interviewer says, hold on. I have the actual interview. I have the, um, the what is it called? When it's like for the first-hand account. Um, hold on. You had a stand-in dick? You had a stand-in dick for Defoe? What? Has Defoe ever commented on it? How does he feel I think, about <laughs> I don't think um, this was just an interview between um, – L magazine and Lars von Trier. I don't think Defoe was there, so you did not get to speak on this. Uh, I don't know if he has. I just so, wondered if he's ever responded. Like. Yeah. So again, like I'm, I'm gonna read this whole thing. But imagine you've gone to journalism school and you're you are uh, interviewing one of our biggest like uh, avant garde indie directors, and he says this. All that was kind, and this is about the movie Antichrist. Uh, all that was kind of what you, and that was a movie about that was his like depression trilogy, and that was kind of about like sex sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, we can't have too big a dick. <laughs> Uh, so Willem Dafoe, I think you mentioned this in another interview, is probably the worst therapist in the history of movies. How would you advise him to treat the Charlotte Gainsbourg character and what does he do, do wrong? Yeah, first of all, I've been undergoing this cognitive therapy for three years. Where I'm reading this whole thing, and it's this could be a mini episode. And I, it's, I think it's quite typical for me to be sarcastic. You can say that one of the main ideas behind any treatment of this – also is that a fear is a thought, and you know it doesn't change reality. You can say in the film it's changed reality. All that was kind of what you could read up about the film. I wouldn't let him treat her in any other way than with his dick. He has an enormous dick, but that maybe I took also. He's extremely well-equipped, and we had to kind of take the scenes out of the film. We had a stand-in for him. We had to take the scenes out with his own dick. Hold on. You had a stand-in dick? You had to have a stand-in f- dick for Defoe? Large entrée. Yes, yes, we had to have, because Will's own was too big. Too big to fit in the screen? Large entrée. <laughs> no, too big because everybody got very confused when they saw it. <laughs> the interviewer. People would get intimidated, or people would get intimidated, especially when he starts, especially when he, when he ejaculates blood. That was a, uh, oh, yeah, 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 that was the double. It's quite a trick. Uh, yes. That is the greatest film interview with a film director of all time. Oh, my God. Talk about being impaled by your own glider. Bingo. Me, your greatest creation. Your your dick inspires eldritch level horror. (laughs) Your dick is Cthulhu. It's not only that it is massive, it inspires and that it inspires terror. It conspires confusion. Confusion. You become that's that's that. Yeah, that's the word. Because if it was like, oh, it's just like massive and people no it's like people are confused by it (laughs) it breaks down (laughs) their thought processes they can't (laughs) comprehend what they're looking at 
It's like the monolith from 2001 A Space Odyssey. They're yeah. like, I know this is important and like has so I I'm hitting the microphone. I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> but I cannot comprehend what I'm looking at. It's like he was like, I don't want it to be the only like if if we were to not use a stand-in and Defoe were to just you were to just see the raw Defoe dick, mm-hmm. it would that's all anyone would talk about for the movie. I mean, that has to be what Lars Venture was thinking, and he's right, but mm-hmm. I feel like a good like either way people are talking about how his dick was so confusingly large that they couldn't use it we're still talking about it yeah 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 he should have just gone for it yeah and Defoe like wanted they should have gone for it and like from i have not seen that movie but from the Lars von trier movies i have seen mm-hmm. like a dude with a big dick is not what would be confusing me or freaking me out about those movies. Well, I guess um, maybe I'm com- coming at it wrong. He we seems, also haven't seen he's it. He's saying that everyone on set would have <laughs> It was it was it was like a it was like a health and safety. It was like an OSHA thing for Yeah. yeah for they, the, they wouldn't have been able to yeah, continue the scene. was like no. Yeah. These conditions uh are against our union and like we yeah. support them we support their union we cannot in good conscience pho- <laughs> photograph Willem Dafoe's dick it is too yeah. large it is too confusingly large <laughs> oh my god just did, did yeah. Josh have did Josh have any input oh no did you see me get distracted oh yeah I thought it, I thought Josh no, was there was like a in. huge crash Josh oh, is gonna no. go investigate there was like a crazy crash from somewhere in my house oh, no. like, oh, okay. like, like lots of glass crash. smashing or something Oof. so not, see what that is. hopefully everyone's okay and no one no one saw willem defoe's dick yeah yeah we'll keep everybody posted to see <laughs> um confusingly large confusingly large it confounds um, it confounds you yeah um, you you can't yeah, it's it's eldritch horror because it would scramble your brain so much that you wouldn't you wouldn't be yourself after you've encountered it. Yes, you, know? you your perspective on yourself and your place in the universe. Yeah, totally shifted. Yeah, yeah. Um, something I really liked about this movie, I, I when this happened, I was like, you know, I res- now now I get this. Um, when they you've seen so many fantastical like stop motion creatures mm-hmm. in the movie and then towards the end there there are some stop motion animals there's this lizard that when he's talking to angelica houston's character he he goes like she has exited the the crew she's not working mm-hmm. with the crew anymore and then he goes to get her and she's at she's hooked back up with gold jeff goldblum and um he's visiting her and a lizard like mm-hmm. goes on his hand and all that happens is it goes on his hand and he flicks it off yeah and, and so and nothing more happens and that lizard is stop motion and i was like yeah. i've lived in florida where that lizard like you see that all everywhere every yeah, day it looks it's like a, a normal ass lizard what lizard. is that guy doing there <laughs> yeah he was just like listen i gotta like design all these like quirky quirky uh blue uniforms for everybody i've gotta like you know i've gotta like keep everybody i gotta keep bill murray 
from from spiraling out. I gotta keep Defoe's dick orbit. Oh from, my god! Yeah, from, from from crashing this boat. Yep. Um, he had a lot going on. He was like, just put a fucking regular lizard in there. <laughs> just do one regular one. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So another. Uh, hang on. We've gotten an up. We're getting an update. Just a huge glass bowl like shattered on the floor. Oh no. Weird. Um. Yeah, just a honestly kind of a kind of a letdown. The, the big update is just a big glass bowl shattered, fell off a shelf that was pretty low to the ground. Honestly, uh, pulled a oh, real no. sisu. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, sure. Okay, so now uh, another critically wet moment is. The Zisu crew is, um, they're trying to find something of Jeff Goldblum's that they're going to go blow up. And they they have to go check this, like, series of small islands. Um, well, no, they're, they have to uh, rescue their crew member. From what? From the, the pirates. Oh, that's what they were doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so confusing. So he has to ask... Angelica Houston, who has a very hot uh, research assistant, Javier. Okay. He's like, we need money, money, because we gotta go save a crew, a crew member. Okay, um, but it seems like the pirates have also taken over Jeff Goldblum's. They've sunk Jeff Goldblum's ship. And, yes. Okay. And so the him. the facility that they that they end up blowing up. It does belong to Jeff Goldblum, um, but it's it was taken over. Okay, that well, makes sense. Well, the the hotel, Hotel Citron, it used to be a four star hotel. It, uh, it they said a hurricane knocked it out, so now it's yeah. an abandoned island. Abandoned um, island. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that the um, pirates are holding up, hold, holding up on. This makes sense. Okay, so on their way there, they're running. They put all their wetsuits on. They put on their mm-hmm. like Zisu crew wetsuits, and some of them are they're they're like three different colors. There's like a pastel blue, a pastel green, and like a silverish color. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but creates a very iridescent uh sheen when they're running they're in these wetsuits. Uh, notes of aquamarine. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Not the color. The the. Um, 2006 movie of course uh, uh, yeah that yeah. is definitely uh aquamarine is based mostly on them in their wetsuits um yeah in, starring in 2004 Paxton, yeah. emma and the singer jojo yeah <laughs> um, it's about a girl awesome. who's half sushi oh yes great line um <laughs> So, yeah, they're in these pastel wetsuits and they're running through a swamp. And this mm-hmm. image is so critically wet. And then they run through a really deep part of the swamp and Bill Murray just starts going, oh, shit, swamp leeches. Check for swamp leeches and pull them off. And then he's the only one that has he's the swamp the only leeches. One. Yeah, I think those swamp leeches latch onto ne'er do well absent fathers and it's a narrative device or it's a funny joke yeah yeah and then oh yeah he's talking i have this line that is not it it was just like a surprising line um there's this sort of sweet moment that steve zisu has with willem dafoe's character um where willem dafoe's character sort of seems like or feels like He's not like really part of the crew. Like he's not important enough to, you know, be represented on the logo. Um, their what do they call it? Their like sigil or whatever. And they have this moment where like he's 
Steve does want him to feel appreciated and uh, that he sort of looked at him as a son. And Willem Dafoe says that he, uh, I always referring to Steve and Esteban, the like partner that died. Um, mm-hmm. I always thought of you as my dad's. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I mean, we've mentioned this so much that like for for how homophobic a lot of the lines are and a lot of things uh, Steve says are the the movies got a lot of homoerotic undertones and overtones. Um, yeah. And it was really a sweet moment. It was. It definitely was. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was very sweet. The, yeah. The creation of the, the flag that that um, that represents all of them and. Um, and that he gets put on the the dolphins, uh, like the square that has dolphins on it. He's like, you yeah. put me with the dolphins. And that's, you know, that's where he always wanted to be, I guess. Yeah, he's 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 touched by them. Yeah. Uh, again, when they're uh, another thing, when they're like rescuing them from the hotel, mm-hmm. there's like a shootout in mud and they're just like a random I think it's called, are those like banana boa constructors, boa construct constrictors, um, just like hanging out. I don't know if it was stop motion. It was, it was a ball, banana boa constrictor. It was a banana ball python. Okay. Um, yeah. I think it was a real snake, but I was just like, this is wet. This is just like stuff. And there was mud and everything. Oh yeah. That, uh, the abandoned hotel is so Again, critically wet moment. You, the camera pans and you see this abandoned building with water just like pouring from everywhere into this like water filled crater. It's so wet and everything is dirty and dingy and rusty. Ugh. Yeah. Great, great wet set piece at the end. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, then what did you think of Owen Wilson's death? I thought so. The. I didn't know he had died. <laughs> I said, I had who to rewatch died? it. Who I knew died? they were acting like someone did. And I was like, wait, who died? <laughs> and then you had to go back and it was clear. And so they have a helicopter crash because they want to look at the jaguar shark. Mm-hmm. gets in the helicopter and it crashes. And you kind of get a cool transition moment where it's like animated bubbles and then it's all red and then it's mm-hmm. all – and then they're in the water and he – Dies on the beach, I think. Mm-hmm. And he kind of had a line that – and this, the, these are the moments that, like, do kind of hit me with emotion. When I realized this was him dying is he's like, yeah, I could have done this to, like, soften the impact, but I guess it doesn't really matter after all. And it was just kind of, like, kind of him accepting, accepting what had happened. And then he dies. And, and also, like – that I think it means so much more like, well, I, c- I could have done this. Would it have made a difference? I don't know. Right. Because he learns towards the end that Bill Murray always knew. Always that, knew. Yeah, that knew from the beginning that he was that he had a son out there. And so it sort of I think in Owen Wilson's mind, he wonders like, well, wait, did I lose all like would would things have been different if uh, right. if if he had reached out, if something like. And and in the end, you you can't wonder those things because, you, you know, there's however, wh- whatever way you want to look at it, you the way I've sort of chosen to look at it um, now is like, well, there's a there's there's the multiverse theory. Right. And like right. there's a there's a me, there's a version of me out there in, in an alternate universe that did go down that path or whatever. Um, right. And it sort of 
yeah, is is allows me to um and you kind of have to accept the choices that you made. Yeah. I think also that's a good point about um yeah, and it's stern. He like shows him that he'd kept his letter because of course he wrote him like a precocious child typewritten letter mm-hmm. being like I'm a member. The of way this- that my dad wrote to Frank Herbert. <laughs> yes, the way that your dad wrote to Frank Herbert. Um and and then Frank Herbert was like, glad you like dude, man. Um, yeah, Frank Herbert was like, sick, dude. Sick, Steve. <laughs> another Steve. Um, he's like, hell yeah, brother. Just just all about those worms, man. <laughs> yeah, it's about the worms in the yeah. end. It's about the worms. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's always kept this he kept letter, letter with him. And then we also learn, I think uh, Angelica Houston says this to Kate Blanchett. She's like, you know... Steve has always shot blanks. So yeah. there's even doubt within the movie that Steve is his real father. Right. But I think the movie makes the point like that doesn't matter either. Because right. like what they've been through, like he and what he's thought all of his life, they both always thought that he was his father. So it does it doesn't really matter in the end. Yeah. Um Yeah, I I love that. Um it's yeah, it because it's a really it's it's um an accepting of the of reality. Um Yeah. Yeah, and and rectifying that sort mm-hmm. no, not rectifying. Um resolving that with like I don't know, you how you thought things were going to be. Um mm-hmm. or if any fantasies you might have had or regrets you might have had about the past. You sort of right. have to integrate all of those things with an accepting of reality yes. the way it is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, and and now that we've talked about all of it, I do feel differently about Steve's character towards the end because mm-hmm. what what do you expect of him to it hasn't the movie doesn't take place over that long of a period of time how i guess what did i how much of a change in his character did right, i right. um did i expect to the point that it would he's not he's not going to use the same language anymore he's not going right. to be so homophobic and sexist he 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 there is a change in him and it's yes. a realistic change that mm-hmm. signifies hopefully more change over time but mm-hmm. um but there's a really realistic portrayal of somebody whose perspective might be getting shifted yeah and, hi- and him able to like Im- like i think that that he is able to like uh that he has everyone to go on this submarine another dangerous submarine journey but he what doesn't want to be alone confronting it and that he is able to cry in front of people i think is like big and then at the end yeah he kind of has this moment with Willem Dafoe's son which i'm just realizing is like him with a little boy who Mm -hmm. he's being paternal to um yeah, and you spend a lot of time with them, like walking during the credits, walking, walking yeah. from the theater with him on his shoulders. Um, and yeah, right before that, the 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 moment in the yellow submarine is like that. That's iconic. It's the image that's like on the DVD cover, on the poster um, of them all like shoulder to shoulder. Um, and then he starts to cry, and they all like put their their hands yeah. on him. Um, and it's really lovely and also then they jeff goldblum sees uh one of his research turtles which a very wet line from earlier was they had mentioned his research turtles a few times and jeff goldblum is like yeah i'm 
I'm pissed at them too. I want to, I want to, let's team up and, and get them. Cause he says they made soup out of my research turtles. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, but then they see one and he's like, one of them survived. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like a turtle with a camera strapped to it. Like, yeah. 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 So I think the turtle was doing the research. Um, that's what it was. Yeah. These yeah. This, that's what was so sad to to lose them was that yeah. these are smart ass turtles. These are yeah. turtles doing the research. Oh yeah. This is a cute movie. It's it's it's, uh, it's charming. It's charming. Um, you yeah. know. Um Keanu, how is your relationship with your father? <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's crying. He's crying. Oh, not he a good crashed sign. his helicopter. Wow. All right. I won't ask that of yeah. of our guests on the podcast anymore. How is your relationship to Willem Dafoe's penis? Have you seen it? What is it? He's crying. He's retching. He's crashed his helicopter again. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And, and so that... That checks out. That falls right in line <laughs> with what others have experienced. Yes. You don't, you don't have any holes? Nope. Holes. I guess there are a lot of holes. To get into a submarine, you got to crawl through a little hole. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a lot of, a couple shots of Bill Murray just emerging from a submarine hole. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the hole in the ice that they bore so that they can jump into it and find little seals. Yeah, this movie is a lot about absent fathers. So we we have like Steve Zissou being an absent father. We have like Kate Blanchett is pregnant and kind of thinking about raising a child on on her own, which um, isn't necessarily, you know, in itself an absence, but but it's a decision she's made. Um, But I think she does acknowledge that like, yeah, this child won't have a father and what does that mean? And and for for many for people that that can be a hole in their life for other people like you know whatever family found family whatever arrangement their family works that they, it, there is there perhaps isn't a hole but I think in this movie um, it it explores that that hole that partic- that um, fathers fathers can leave. Um, yeah, I think there's not a lot of holes in Wes Anderson's aesthetic, um, but... Uh, I think he likes to do things, I think this is true of a lot of his movies, where I don't know that I would necessarily call them magical realism. This right. this movie in particular has has moments of it, but he'll have his, his story out and then he'll just like kind of poke poke little holes in it mm-hmm. in the reality mm-hmm. of the story yes. um these little little pinpricks that let in a little bit of the magical realism like mm-hmm. in this movie it's really just it's really just these like little animals that are that mm-hmm. are throughout it um and they talk it's it's not just a visual thing they talk about them in these well that's a rainbow whatever or a, a, a crayon right. a horse whatever right um right. Yeah, they're clear. They're these little things, but then everything else is normal. Everything mm-hmm. else is set in in the real world. But then they'll get underwater, and the uh, the music will swell, and suddenly it'll be this like fantastic underwater with like wild neon colors and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it's cool. I it's there are little holes that he likes to yeah. to poke at you. Yeah, I love it. Um. So yeah, great holes. 
So yeah, how wet is this movie, Sophie? This movie is as wet, and I think this is a good verdict for really any Wes Anderson movie about how wet it is, although I will definitely agree with people that there's varying degrees of wetness. And I would say that in general, he is a director that's whose aesthetic is quite dry. Mm-hmm. It's about that juxtaposition. Those moments of wetness, therefore, stand out more. And that's yes. interesting. There's a moment in the French Dispatch where they show a bunch of leeches in a bowl. Oh, God, he loves leeches. Out of nowhere. He likes leeches. Yeah. <laughs> he likes leeches. So it's as wet as if a 13-year-old aspiring stenographer transcribes a sea cucumber's family sea cucumber family reunited after a protracted estrangement in the aquarium tank at the Watergate Hotel. <laughs> Precocious child, weird sea sea animals, mm-hmm. family drama. It's 1970s for some reason. Um, also, sea cum- cucumbers confusingly large sometimes. Confusingly large sometimes. But, uh, yeah, Caitlin, how wet is this movie? All right. This is a fun one um, because it really encapsulates what people love uh, about this movie. And so when we saw Owen Wilson in the jacuzzi, I was like, okay, this is fine. I'm fine with this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a gross jacuzzi, uh, but whatever. That's fine. And I was like, thank God Bill Murray's not here. But of course, I spoke way too soon because later there's a, a big scene mm-hmm. with where Bill Murray's in the in the jacuzzi. And I think that's later where he has to like run out and fight fight the pirates or something because mm-hmm. um, he's in like a speedo and a robe and i was like i shouldn't have said it earlier so Mm -hmm. this this is as wet as like that that was peak wetness of this of this Mm -hmm. movie is like you know you got a soggy sloppy murray in a muggy smoggy sauna and slurping up some leeches in a swamp so yeah it's just like a you just got a just a saggy sweaty bill murray slurping up some leeches (laughs) And that's this movie, in a nutshell. I love it. Ooh, so, Kaylin, no, no advertising because fuck brands, fuck no advertise November, no advertising November. That's what we we we're we can't guarantee no not November because Doctor Fauci has come out. Come on, he's come out against it. It's not healthy. You all should not. Um. But no ad November. No That's ad November. About. So instead, I'm gonna read. We we got a fan letter from from I think a kid, which oh. I it's disturbing that kids are listening to this podcast. But I think for some some kids are maybe uh, is that maybe, a, is that a typewriter? I guess it could be a typewriter font. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it was written written on on a on a typewriter and um. Sent by Carrier Pigeon, which is weird because, again, I thought they were extinct, but, you know. But that's clearly pigeon shit on it. Yeah, yeah. This kid has moxie. But, yeah, yeah, so it reads, Hi, I'm a precocious 11-year-old who only speaks in a monotone and usually only writes excoriating letters to my city councilman on my 1950s typewriter about the insufficient width of bike lanes in my quirky Italian village where everyone speaks English. 
I'm writing to Is It Wet because my school play this year is based on your podcast. And I'm corresponding to request that you send me and my dramaturgical compatriots one, a Snowpiercer train set, two, a fully functional brundle pod, and three, a signed painting of Vin Diesel crying so that we can properly homage to your great podcast. Signed, your faithful and true aficionado of the podcast, H.M. Junger Frick. Oh. Wow, we're getting a little Wes Anderson kids. Um, do we have an answer? I say uh, fuck no. If we if we concede to demands from every precocious monotone child, no. That's what I was going to say. You should. open that door. Oh my god. If I'm able to find a Snowpiercer train set, I might consider sending it. That would be amazing. I need that to exist. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but a functional Brundle pod, am I going to give that to a bunch of theater kids? No. 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 They don't deserve that. And I, if I have a paint, sign painting of Vin Diesel crying, that's going that's going yeah. above my armoire. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're not getting that. That's going no. above my mantelpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, kid. Don't, don't follow your dreams. We're here to let you down. This has been a production of Mess and Finesse, a comedy label based out of Somerville, Massachusetts. If you want to hear more of this program or shows like this, please send us an email at admin at messandfinesse.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at M-E-S-S-A-N-D-F-I-N-E-S-S-E dot com. And for more content, directory of programs, or information on live shows and comedy classes, please visit messandfinesse.com or follow us at Mess and Finesse on social media. Thank you for listening.